good afternoon and welcome to Lambda Weekly. Patty just screeched in. Hi, I'm here, Patty Fink, and you're listening to... I am here. You are here. I am here. Uh, sad day here at KNON. Yes. And I want to acknowledge that uh, Gene Soslow, who co-hosted the Jewish Music Hour with me uh, and did several other shows. Served on, served on the board of directors. He was on the board, yeah. He passed away on Friday. Uh, but if you listened his um, notes from the Underground show that he did from 2013 till about 2020, something like that, mm -hmm. Uh, he started off on the Rockabilly Review Show, uh, did so much for the station, and passed away on Friday morning. Just a huge loss. And I, I can't even count the number of times Gene would stay on during our show mm -hmm. just to listen and oftentimes to help with Pledge Drive. Um, just a big, big, giant, generous heart. Um, and I will miss him in every way. He's just—he was just um, the the most wonderful man I think I've ever met. Mm -hmm. Just in every—I can't think of a, a negative thing at all. And I used to tease him about when he went on the board of directors. But please, please get us direct deposit yeah. so we can get that zero dollars faster. So he he said he would work on it. So right. Um, his daughter uh, texted and said. Uh, you know, of course, in Jewish tradition, we don't do flowers at a funeral, but in lieu of flowers to make a donation. And I know a donation to KNON for him would certainly be appreciated. That would, so, be, that would be tremendous. Uh, you can go to KNON.org and make that donation if you'd like to do it. But uh, Gene certainly will be missed. Screeching in even later than <laughs> Patty Fink. <laughs> is Deputy Assistant Number 3 Person at City Hall, Mayor Pro Tem, Omar Narvaez, who was not our last choice for a guest this week. Oh, that's a, it's such an, such an oddity now. What happened was I forgot to invite a guest. So I said, oh, Omar, let's see if he's available. And I happen to be available. Hey. But, you know, a few minutes late. late. But. but you were available. But I was available. Happy well, Pride, everyone. Well, yeah. happy Pride to you, too, and welcome. Thank welcome you. back. Uh, Thank you. You've been on the show how many times? Oh, probably half a dozen or so. Maybe ten. <laughs> I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> I always enjoy coming, so. Welcome. Yeah. We enjoy having you. Thank you. Yeah, speaking of Pride Month, uh, I've never seen a Pride Month with so many different Pride events. We started the month with the festival at Fair Park. The next day was the parade at Fair Park. The next we lit the downtown lights on Friday and Saturday. Yes. Mm -hmm. For I think the third or fourth year in a row now. So that during Pride weekend. So. Um, last week was uh, Pride in the Arts District, which was a wonderful event. And then it always was, is. Um, Orgullo and um, Oak Cliff, which is Pride in Oak Cliff. And also Pride in the AT and T Discovery yes. District. Uh, they AT&T sponsored a huge concert, uh, outdoor the concert. First we did the official flag raising. Yes. We've been doing this for the fourth, fourth year. And sort of not just uh, citywide in the sense of, of City Hall, but literally citywide at Love Field, at Dallas Police 
headquarters, headquarters, fire headquarters, libraries, fire stations, um, um, Fair Park, I mean, you name it all over. And I'm wearing my flag pin today. So, so you are. Yes. <laughs> and, and for those that you don't know, um, the city of Dallas still, I'm being told, um, until I'm proven otherwise, the only city in the world that has adopted a official city flag. So in the month of June, our um, 11 month flag comes down and then the rainbow version of our flag goes up for the entire month of June. We changed it a little bit this year. Um, so um, the four days of Juneteenth weekend, yes. we adopted this year for um, the Juneteenth flag to do the exact same thing, just like the pride flag. So um, that's as far great. As I know we're the only city that also adopted that the Juneteenth flag is our official flag for those four days. And what was really cool was on Tuesday during our um, swearing-in ceremony, um, in front of Senators Cornyn and Cruz, um, <laughs> the official city pride flag was, because it was back to Tuesday, so it was back up, um, came out with the American flag and the Texas flag. And so that was really, really cool for my last swearing-in uh, for the council that I got to see that happen. That's very, very cool. And I, I was taken aback that, that Cornyn and Cruz were there. And um, well, Cruz is running for re-election, so well, yeah, good reason for him to show up. And, and the mayor did invite them both. So um, Cruz was in the audience, and Cornyn um, did the swearing in for the mayor. Um, the rest of us were sworn in by the um, lead municipal judge, like has always been done. So I don't know if this is the first time that a mayor has asked somebody different to come in and swear them in. I, I just don't remember. So it's interesting that that this mayor chose that senator. <laughs> Very interesting. So, yeah. <laughs> um, it was, um, I was told by many that were in the audience that they said that it looked like there was tension um, between the council and um, the mayor um, during the ceremony and that um, I was told that we didn't clap as often as people thought we would um, during the mayor's speech. So don't know what was up with that or what was going on. Just. Um, I know that I had a bird's eye view of Senator Cruz right below me at the stage, so that made me very uncomfortable. So. Well, I, t I tell you, it's interesting to me that um, there were a lot of a lot of comparisons made um, when when this mayor was first elected yes. and during that whole campaign um, about his similarities with a, with a former president. Mm -hmm. um, and you know, not clapping enough. It's the crowd size enough. You know, I mean, those kinds of things I think are very funny as metrics for, you know, what you expect of people. Yeah, I, I can see that. I, all I know is, um, folks spoke a lot about me afterwards because they said, I, I, I don't have a measuring device, so I'm not there. You, you, when you get called out, you, like, I'm in, in the middle because it's in District Six. And um, everybody kept saying that I got the loudest applause again. This I'm like, that's four years in a row, four swearing ins in a row. But they said that I, my group made it the most fun because um, when I was called out, they all pulled out and turned on um, blue lightsabers because um, I'm such a huge Star Wars fan. So, um, since we couldn't have a guest this year, or this, um, not this year, this swearing in, um, or last swearing in because of the pandemic, but this one because the mayor said we couldn't. Um, it was pretty cool to see them do something extra for me, uh, my my supporters and my family and my mom um, out there. So um, oh, that's me, very cool. Made me really happy. So it was pretty fun. May so the force may the force be with you. May the force be with you as well. So, so this is your fourth term. 
I have just, I'm a week in to my first term, our fourth term, sorry. And four terms is the term limits. That's the limit, so June of 2025, I will roll off. Um, if Chad runs for re-election and wins, and Chad will definitely be, um, there'll still be um, an openly gay person on the council, um, but it'll be back down to the one that was, um, maybe had happened 10 years before I was there. And then, um, so I don't know if we'll ever get this historic, you know, I, I got to really, it was really cool. I, I got on there, um, I was the first openly gay Latino um, to be elected that ran out um, in my first um, um, campaign for council. And then um, um, former Mayor Pro Tem Adam Madrano came out um, shortly after um, I got onto the council. And it was really funny when I said, uh, because uh, it was something to do with Victory Fund, and he wanted to know why he, he wasn't listed. And I said, well, because you have to be out. And he was, like, very offended, and was like, I'm out. And I was like, oh, well, so if I do a speech and I say that you're, you know, the other openly gay elected official, are you okay with that? And he said, yeah, why wouldn't I be? And he was like, what do I have to do, take out an ad? And then he joked, and he said, the Dallas voice, <laughs> in order to let everybody know that I'm gay. And then, um, so that was the second, and then um, in, our, in my second term, which was his third and Chad's first, there were three of us for one term. So that was pretty cool, too. And that's when we got the flag, and we finished a lot of things that we hadn't done yet through the LGBT task force. That These were kind of the, the flag was the cherry, or the icing on the cake, or the cherry on top, however you want to say it, because we didn't go in saying, oh, we're going to do this flag thing. We went in saying, um, you were there <laughs> from the beginning <laughs> of the LGBT task force, and We've accomplished a lot. We've accomplished a great deal. I'm concerned about um, having it roll back yes. because of state um, uh, state laws and things that have moved through the state legislatures, particularly this last session. It'll I'm be afraid interesting. we're going to lose some of those gains that we made. It's um, possible. But I, I, think, I think we still need to, to be a strong, visible presence at City Hall always. Absolutely, always. always. But, you know, it's going to be interesting, especially with our NDO, because the voters put it into our charter, our city charter. NDO so, is non-discrimination ordinance. Yes, right. thank you. For those that may not know what I was talking about, thank you, David. I had to think about it. No, absolutely. <laughs> and um, But our non-discrimination ordinance, it'll be interesting to see <clears throat> what you happens know, with that's, that. I've been saying this. We don't have a non-discrimination ordinance. We have non-discrimination written into our city, city charter, charter exactly. that voters voted on. 77%. Yep. In 2014. Yep. It's not clear whether that law covers us. That's right. Because we're, it's in our charter. I don't know about the other cities across the state that have non-discrimination ordinances. I don't believe it's in their charter. No. And we all know Houston doesn't have... Um, any protections as far as for anybody the, for it yeah pretty much and you know I think that's that's very important that it is in the charter I can't see them even attempting to negate a city's charter and what would they do remove all non-discrimination where they they think they could surgically go in and remove the right. things they don't like absolutely well and, and um, with the Republican Party being in power down in Austin you know they're always big about let the voters decide. The voters did decide. 77%, like you said, Patty, said we want these other um, protections. protections and added it, to it wasn't just 77%. It was 77% across the entire city. That's correct. Uh, we only lost two precincts, no, th three precincts. Okay. 
I don't remember. So I just know it was really exciting that we won and there wasn't a, a lot of backlash because then Houston quickly had um, what they called HERO, the Houston Equal Rights Ordinance, um, right. went down in flames that following November. So it was very in interesting to see how different it was. It's, it's so interesting to me that the very people who pushed to kill that that non-discrimination effort in Houston are now mired in civil suits, um, you know, alleging sexual misconduct with oh, wow. children. And they have the gall to call us groomers. Wow. You know, and, and this, this same, it's the same set of evangelical Christians that pushed the to to kill any non-discrimination or any equality in Houston are now and did everything they could to make an East Parker's term in office as mayor miserable exactly exactly oh, yeah. and now they're being held to account for actual criminal misdeeds it, it's it's <laughs> really wild to see not just them but all these other um, very anti-queer people um, all of a sudden going down for really heinous crimes that you don't see. You don't see drag queens getting arrested to do those things, and you don't see transgender people getting arrested to do those, that doing, those doing those things, heinous yeah. acts. And, you know, same thing with the vast majority of gay men and, and gay women. You just don't see that, and I'm sure bisexual people as well. I mean, I don't have the facts on the orientation portions, but definitely on the gender identity part, you don't, you just don't see that happening. No, and it's it's pretty pervasive, and it's ironic to me that that um, we're being accused of being groomers, um, and 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 just you know flagrantly. I mean, like it's almost as funny as being called communists. And I'm like, well, we're not the people supporting Putin, right? Exactly. <laughs> who is a communist? Right. And you think we communist. would be because he's really hot, and when he takes his shirt off in his pictures, right? You would think. Well, I would never think that. <laughs> well, that's true. I, I've never thought that, and that's a. I, I can, what has been thought cannot be unthought now. Right. <laughs> now, Patty, when they're talking about groomers... But I'm much more like the um, Prime Minister from Canada, so... <laughs> <laughs> when they're talking about groomers, they really are just talking about the number of gay people who've gone to cosmetology school. Maybe, maybe so. Well, I mean, we are so. typically, you know, LGBTQ plus people are very well-groomed. Yeah, well, typically, yes. so... Yeah. <laughs> so we've been the groom. We're groomed, We're not groomed. groomers. <laughs> So before we go on, <laughs> the puns can keep going. Let's They're good. We can just go on and on. Before we go on, uh, this is your fourth term in office, That's and right. you're going to hit term limits. That's right. So uh, are you going to announce on our show what you're running for next? Um, I am Ted Cruz's office. <laughs> I, I, I'm not running for U.S. Senate or any other office at this time. Um, I really want to finish my my term um, because in our charter, also it, we, if any council member um, announces that they're running for another office, it's not municipal, um, meaning city hall. Um, you're automatically resigned from the city council. So I don't think that's fair to um, the residents in my district that. Um, I knocked on thousands of doors again, asking them to allow me the distinct honor and privilege of being their representative. So those folks that are trying to decide that have to decide by December. And I kind of think that's awful that I'd give you six months and then say, see you later, um, and then have to force a special election. Um, it's a lot of money that the city has to spend. And I just don't think that would be, I, I, that's not why I did this. I did this to be the best um, 
um, dang council member that I possibly could be for District 6. And I hope by the end of the um, this last term that um, everybody believes that I did do that. I mean, I, I feel confident that they will, um, but um, not running for anything else at this time. Are you going to do a Tanel Atkins? No, I will not unless um, unless somehow, some way, my predecessor um, beats whomever decides that they want to run, um, then I probably would be forced to do something. Um, but I really hope that I can find someone or somebody steps up that is a great ally, not just to LGBT community, but to Spanish monolingual and um, immigrant folks, as well as lower income people and just regular everyday working class folks, um, just like what is representative, uh, it, which is the vast majority of District 6. And so if we can get somebody like that, um, we should be in great shape. And I've got some people in mind, so hopefully they'll, I know that they're thinking about it, so, but they've got about six to nine months to, to think. And you know, I know it sounds crazy, but um, a year from now is a long time, but it's also not a long time at all. And um, my, the time clock's ticking against me at this point, so as far as Wait. me finishing what I want to do. Well, you could still do a Sandy Grayson. I could and come back four years later. <laughs> <laughs> well, and do, and do another, another eight. That's correct. She did, the, she did eight, so she went fallow for a season yep. and then came back and did eight. And, and so did another at this eight. point, um, former councilwoman um, Sandy Grayson is the longest ever serving council person with um, two sets of eight and so 16 years. And Tanel Atkins, our mayor pro tem, our current mayor pro tem, um, if he completes this term as well um, with me, because we came in together in 2017, um, he will be the second person to ever achieve 16 years on the council. So it'll be interesting. Wow. That will be. That will be. <laughs> now, did you choose, uh, you chose the new um, deputy mayor or the mayor pro tem and deputy mayor pro tem? Yes, I did vote for both of them. I voted for Tanel Atkins to be our mayor pro tem as well as um, Carolyn King Arnold, to, who was our mayor pro tem, to be our deputy mayor pro tem. So on Juneteenth, the actual day, we made history as a city and um, all three of our um, leaders, so our mayor, mayor pro tem, and deputy mayor pro tem, for the first time ever that it was even possible in our history, are all three are um, African American. So that's uh, pretty pretty cool to be a part of another part of history. Mm -hmm. um, now, of course, you know I'm getting some backlash from some Latino leaders and you know things like that. But at this point, I was like, I was deputy, and we as a council voted for these two people to from move up. And apart from mayor, the the mayor pro tem and deputy mayor pro tem positions are only one year. They're only one year now. We we changed that two so. years ago. So I'm um, in a year th that could change. It could not. It just depends on um, what the council decides. And I've always said I'll always do the will of the council, e even when I don't agree with it. It's like once we have our debate, if it's open and honest and fair debate, um, however the votes go, the votes go, and then I'll adhere to. You know that I'm I'm rarely on the losing side, but you know every once in a while you are, or you just you know you climb on it. You know there's that hill that it's like I'm I will die on that hill for that issue. You know like things like LGBTQ plus issues, I will go wild and crazy over if I had to fight for it. But we, we've got such a positive, excellent allied council. It's like. I remember the days back in the day when we first started the LGBT task force that we couldn't get everybody to sign the um, you know equality resolutions and um, the pride you know the pride just, um, pr um, 
proclamation that goes into the um, Dallas Voice and for you know Pride Weekend and all that. And now it's like it's nobody even it's not a questions it at all at all. So. We need to take a break. You're <clears throat> listening to Lambda Weekly on 89.3 KNON FM. Our guest is Omar Narvaez. He'll be running for president against uh, Joe Biden. <laughs> <laughs> No, I won't. <laughs> I, I was deciding whether I should say Joe Biden or um, Trump. <laughs> Term rentals ban. Uh, and that just was passed, was it this week or the week before? Um, it was passed, not this past Wednesday, a week ago. A week ago, yeah, Wednesday. The week before. Um, <clears throat> that affects Airbnbs, Verbos, uh, and anybody who is um, leasing for less than 30 days. And so what, um, this is a five-year debate. Um, so I've been on the council the entire time. Um, there's two of us that have been on the council since this started left, which is myself and Mayor Pro Tem Tanel Atkins. Um, but I'm on the committee that where it started, which is the Quality of Life Committee. And um, I can't tell you how long, I'm so glad this is done. Um, but basically what we did was about a year ago, we asked um, the city manager to send what we call a authorized hearing to CPC, which is the um, Citizens Plan Commission. And um, then they sent to us what they thought was the appropriate zoning for short-term rentals, which are Airbnbs, VRBOs. And um, they came back with that, um, when they defined them as a lodging use, it, the city didn't have a definition of what STRs were. Um, so now they're defined as lodging use. And then per our code and our ordinances and everything, um, you cannot have um, lodging uses inside of single-family residential neighborhoods. Um, so then they created zones, which were single-family residential. You cannot have them, but you could in commercial mixed use and a couple of other areas in the city, which makes sense. And then um, we did amend at the very end to allow for multifamily with 20 units or more to have, I believe, no more than 3% of the units, which there was a compromise there. I was not real thrilled about it, but I went ahead and went with it um, simply because my, the issue that I had, the pause I had was that we need more workforce housing, so affordable um, rental units in the city. And so we're barely getting three to 5% as it is with new builds, new zoning. Um, when zoning ch changes happen. And so to say that all multifamily across the city could go, I mean, 3%, it's like, that's a lot of units. But we, we were able to negotiate and protect those small units, which there's a ton of those in like Oak Lawn, East Dallas, um, North Oak Cliff. Well, they They're, have like six or eight units. <clears throat> and, correct. Or 10, 15 units. It's, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, so, th and those tend to be on the more affordable side um, than your big high rise buildings or you know gigantic apartments and then you know being the only council member who lives in multifamily um you know it was also one of those where it's like you know we, we also know that you know why i said it was okay is because if you live in a bigger building you typically have somebody around you know whether it's during the day you have an office manager you have the bigger buildings tend to have 24 7 um either security or porters or you know things of that concierge nature. concierge <laughs> service so you know so it's that these big bad issues that are happening typically wouldn't happen inside of an, an apartment. I don't think you can get 200 people into a one-bedroom apartment, you know, or a two-bedroom apartment be pretty tight. Um, <clears throat> so that's why I said, you know, I, I went ahead and 
um, voted yes, but, and it was unanimous to allow it anyway. So, um, but those are some of the big changes. But um, it doesn't mean that they're gone. Um, we're giving everybody six months so that they can wind down their business and um, you know try to figure out what they want to do. Right, because people those. have reservations. <clears throat> Correct. Well, when you have reservations, but you also have, um, for some people, this is their. This is their business. Like this is how they do it, and you know, and they, there are a lot of jobs. This, this was a hard issue, um, and you know, typically once or twice a term, you have a very, very tough issue where um, we're split, and we were split, and there was one vote to I don't know we to say that you would give them um, uh, the people that were already around if they were paying the hotel occupancy tax that they would be allowed to continue. Um, in their business, and um, that, if you want to call it grandfathering, and um, that motion to amend failed um, seven to eight. So wow. that's how mm -hmm. close <clears throat> it was to um, almost being the other route. So um, I, I can tell you that the, the homes, not hotels, people were very, very happy. Um, the STR um, owners and um, operators were not so happy. I mean, it, this is always the hardest part. You're not going to make Everybody happy on it. Do you know how many people? Like do you know how many short-term rentals there are in Dallas? First of all, so according to the city, we have about seventeen hundred um, across the city. But if you, but according to different websites that actually do this and scour and look for, they say we have about fifty-five hundred, um, somewhere between you know fifty-five hundred and six thousand um, across the city. So um, when you think about it, a city like Dallas that has a um, an affordable housing crisis. That's you know we're well into um, six thousand new units being you know put back into play can really really help us out a lot. And um, now the next thing is is we've got to relook at our accessory dwelling unit um, ordinance, um, which was passed in my first term. I had asked for it to be a opt out instead of an opt in, and um, I lost that. But it was one of the rare votes that I lost on. And um, the opt-in, um, we passed that in 2018, it's 2023, and not a single neighborhood has opted in because there's so many hurdles and hoops in order to, to have that granny flat or that garage apartment that you could build on. And that's another way that we can get more um, affordability inside the city of Dallas. So um, we'll have to figure it out. Well, that, I think that's the next thing that we look at and that's gonna be big for us to try to figure out. So are you saying that if you have like a what has been called a mother-in-law apartment on your property that you can or cannot rent that out? You can, um, as long as it's 30 days or more. Because okay. we, we define short-term as less than 30 days. Right. So if you lease it for 30 days, 31 days, 60 days, six months, then yes, you can. And so that's kind of you know what we're trying to have more inside of neighborhoods so that folks um, don't end up with um, you know, just transient folks going in and out. You know, it's part of the social contract that doesn't exist. It's just a social contract that um, when you have zoning for residential neighborhoods that you would not have businesses happening inside. If that's the case, then, you know, let's throw out all zoning mm -hmm. and do it the Houston route. So. Right. Um, <clears throat> I did a story on uh, the debate about short-term rentals a couple of months ago, mm -hmm. and I spoke to my backdoor neighbor who has a, a house on a street that's a non-commercial or that is a commercial street mm -hmm. 
in Oak Lawn, he'll be able to keep his. It, yes. It's the only house on the street. If it's, if it's zoned commercial, then yes. Okay, I talked to somebody else, and she's renting out a garage apartment. Uh, she's in Patty's neighborhood uh, in East Dallas. Um, a lot of what her business has turned into is people in the neighborhood who are remodeling their house uh, See, book her uh, her uh, apartment and live there while the work's being done. While the work's being right. done, and a, I think a we're couple gonna of weeks. We're going to be in that situation in you know in the coming year probably where we need to sit out for probably about two months. And and you could you could rent that accessory dwelling unit or that apartment in that garage apartment because it would be a sixty day lease, so that would qualify. Those would qualify. Yes, because they're not short term. So we're talking about the one day, two day, three day, up to 29 days. Um, you cannot, that, that's, that's what will happen. But this is all going to get go to court. Fort Worth, um, um, it was, I think, six months after they passed their ordinance. Um, the um, STR folks, operators, just filed a lawsuit against them. Every single ordinance against STRs or to rein in STRs has gone to court. Some cities have lost, some cities have won. Just depends how you... Um, did it and so Dallas we were very smart and we never gave permits we never issued licenses um, we did collect hotel occupancy tax um, which again I was opposed to because um, state law says short-term rentals are hotels and the city of Dallas's ordinance says that hotels cannot be inside of single-family residential neighborhoods um, but I that was another vote that I was I was on the um, wrong, um, I think I was the only one who voted against it <clears throat> but um, the good thing is is that once the courts will figure it out, and then we'll know what, what happens from there. It's, it's a huge controversial <gasps> issue in lots of neighborhoods. In my neighborhood, it's, it's um, been a lot of talk. I mean, just enormous discussions over fences with neighbors. Yep. And, but I think one of the reasons that, it's, that it has become an issue and a controversial one is because a lot of people would rent a property and then, and then be enormously loud, disruptive, um, you know, trash a place, yep. or um, and, and so when it impinges on the neighbors surrounding that property, um, you know, if you had just been somebody comes in and says, "Oh, we're home away from home, gonna enjoy, you know, relaxing and doing a crossword puzzle or or whatever with the kids and swimming in the pool," you know, that's not what really brought the attention. Right. The attention was the disruption and the loud parties that go into the night, three or four in the morning. And that's that's why it's an issue. Oh, absolutely. It, it's um, and also the the amount of city services that these, um, and it's just a small bunch. And that's the hard part. Is like, you know, it, it's but they get three times more nine one one and three one one calls than um, non STR um, homes. And then um, something that's fascinating is you know we kept hearing about you know the person who's trying to supplement their income you know they're renting a room all of those things but that's only a little it's slightly under 15 percent that are now that are still owner occupied one half of all home sales in the last two years in the city of Dallas um, were purchased by um, um, investment companies and um, STR operators. And so you can't compete as a regular working class person because the STR operator or the investment firm can pay the full, the full asking price or more and not worry about it. 
And then that also is driving up property taxes because all these new homes are not just new ones, but all these homes getting sold um, are getting sold at higher values, which then raises the property taxes for everybody in that vicinity. And um, and it's something that affected all of us as well. So mm-hmm. lack of housing, then um, raising raising prices and um, a shortage. And, you know, it was just like a, it was the perfect storm. And, and then, then you add on the loud, the loud party houses and mm-hmm. the folks that just aren't as neighborly as they should be because they don't live here in the city. They don't, they're not in the neighborhood. I feel for the people who, um, you know, can't do it anymore, but I hope that they can find people that can rent for 30 days or longer because it is a lot of folks that are coming in for different types of surgeries or, you know, remodeling their homes and those are still, you can still do those. Yeah, and it's, I mean, like, we would be interested in doing it in some some sort of, um, you know, like, family home situation because we have dogs. Yep. You can't go to, you know, extend a stay hotels necessarily and and hang out for that period of time when you have dogs that need mm-hmm. every day. I'm like, back to back, you can't do that for months on end. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so I mean, that those are those needs as well. Right. So I hope I hope some of that can can still take place and without you know ire from the neighborhood. Yep. Um, I, I think we we passed the best um, thing we could, and then we in there we did add an amendment that um, we follow up on this in two years again. Look at data, look at what worked, what didn't work, and that way, and that's good policy. I've always said that if you put in a review period. Um, that's always good policy, and that's how things don't get antiquated. Things don't, um, you know, the technology is changing so fast. It was like Uber. I can't remember what year it was before I got on the council. They were trying to get rid of Uber in our city. Can you imagine if we were still a city without um, rideshare? You know, it's like, right. And so um, it's something just you know, and the technology has changed. Scooters. We had to rip them all out. And we just put them back in, and it's starting to work, you know, because we only have 1,500 in the city right now versus the 30,000 that we had at the um, height of the scooter epidemic. (laughs) 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 We were in a pandemic with a scooter epidemic going on at the same time. (laughs) Um, We have a couple of minutes before we need to take a break. So how will this be enforced? I can imagine a lot of people who are doing short-term rentals are going to say, well, how's the city going to know? Well, what'll happen is um, in the ordinance, um, the city manager is required to work with the platform, um, the platforms in order to get that information. Um, we will create a new code team that will also be scouring and going in to look at complaints. Um, it is going to be hard. I mean, it's not going to be easy. Um, and we may also have to have um, you know more DPD going out, and that's 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 the hard part. Is we don't want to take more resources away from everyday, you know, Dallas sites, and so you know, even things like trash, because it's a single-family residential home, and they're producing trash as if it's a hotel. So their bin doesn't hold enough, and so the trash gets all over the neighborhood as well. So these are things that we're going to have to work through, and um, but that's a good thing. We'll we'll get more information, and in two years. Probably my last meeting on the council. <laughs> we'll be here for 15, we'll be there for another 15 and a half hours like we were that day. It was a five and a half hour debate on STRs, but the meeting was 15 and a half hours. Wow. It was, it was brutal. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't we take our break? You're listening to Lambda Weekly on 89.3 KNON FM. I'm Dave Taffet here in the studio with the late Patty Fink, and we'll be back with more right after this. This is Raphael McDonald from Resource Center Dallas. You're listening to Lambda Weekly on 89.3 KNON-FM. 
And welcome back to Lambda Weekly. I'm Dave Taffet here in the studio with, with I said Laurent, because <laughs> you're sitting in Laurent's seat. So if I'm facing so this way, so you must be Laurent, with the late Patty Fink. I and, see the resemblance. Uh, our, our guest today is, yes, Jeremy is sitting in Patty's seat, so he's the late Jeremy. Um, <laughs> our guest is... Dallas City Councilman Omar Narvaez. We're just talking some city policy issues. Um, this, the legislature passed some really horrible legislation. They did. Uh, and it leaves it to the cities to enforce. That's right. So is the city going to enforce some of this garbage? Um, you and know, let's talk specifics. You know, I can um, tell you that when they passed their, I'm, I'm sorry, when the Supreme Court got rid of overturned Roe, um, we passed an ordinance very quickly. Um, it was it was a year ago, and then it was the summer. Um, was it was a year ago, right? And then <laughs> um, right when we got back in August, we went on break when it happened, so we didn't have time. Our July break happened, and then we as soon as we got back in August, we passed a um, ordinance that um, prohibits DPD from investigating, spending any city resources or dollars on investigating any person getting an abortion or anybody who's helped somebody get an abortion. So that, we just didn't agree with it. So we passed that ordinance and we haven't had anything, any issues with it yet. Um, it's been a year and um, I'm sure, you know, I know we're looking at certain things as well that um, pass that, um, how can we take that away? I, you know, I, I think we have to do something similar for parents of trans kids that um, they cannot, you know, we, we don't need to be investigating that. You know, it's like, you know, there's many other law enforcement agencies that can do that, um, but the city of Dallas, we should not be participating in that, just like we don't um, participate in, um, in immigration issues um, and, and other things. We, you know, our law enforcement officers need to be dealing with actual crime inside of our cities like murders and you know rapes and you know big thefts and drag know. shows no not drag shows so, <laughs> uh, that's that's one that we need to figure out what the law actually says because I know there were some amendments made um, but they're pretty weak so it's uh, you know it's like they just took the word drag queens out and turned it into like entertainers but even then it's still kind of interesting because what happens, um, you know, there's a lot of Broadway shows and a lot of plays and a lot of different things that happen where there are, there is, um, if you want to call it cross-dressing or people playing different characters. Like, I can't imagine going to Hairspray and, you know, the, the mom isn't played by a male, you know, it's like that's... Or Peter Pan. Or Peter Pan or Tootsie or, you know. Yeah. Or yeah. Some Like It Hot, which is the biggest hit or one of the biggest hits on Broadway this season. And it's touring. Yeah, and it's And it's considered to be the best comedy ever written I mean, absolutely the original movie I'm talking yeah. about and so it's right it's, up till its very end <laughs> you know the birdcage I mean is that all of a sudden you can't you know watch that in the Kaja Falls I mean it's just there's it's like theater started you know because with discrimination which was women couldn't be in the theater it's like so men had to play female roles and it's like and now here we are and it's like, is this all illegal now? Like, it's confusing. And Do you know what to me seems like it should be illegal? And I did a piece on this in Dallas Voice. Um, the Dallas Cowboys cheerleaders. They could possibly be. Well, how about all these, these little girl pageants? I mean, if you're not, if that's not sexualizing children, I don't know what is. 
It's put them in a little skimpy outfit, slather them in makeup, and they're like six or seven years old. Right. And I'm like, and, and people approve of this? I mean, <clears throat> to me, that's out of control. That's, that's really yeah. what we would, anybody would call grooming. Yeah, I mean, and you if know, we wanted to find what whatever the hell they mean, I think that's what they mean, but they don't realize it. Right, and that's something that we have to we're gonna have to do a lot more education and um, still be out there. And you know, the 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 good part is, as I talk to more and more people, I feel positive that the um, the the folks that are anti LGBTQ plus, they're we just know more of them. They were always there, but the folks that accept us and um, our allies to us seems to grow every year that I get older and you know it's beautiful to see this going on and you know it's like not a big deal for people to um, for most people I'm not gonna say that there's not staring or that people don't um, make jokes or something but it's because it's the unknown um, but we've come a long way from in the early you know early 90s when I was first coming out and was terrified to have a boyfriend because I would wouldn't want to hold his hand in public and then you know I was in a long-term relationship for 25 and a half years and you know I was also terrified at points to um, do certain things publicly um, I'm, I'm in a kiss and yeah, you know, those yeah. things. I'm in a much different place now you know it's like um, with all of that so because it's okay and as younger people are more accepting of us as we go and and that why we did this was so that the next generations would have it better so well, I think that's really what's very telling is this last Gallup poll uh, revealed that for Gen Z, 20.1% self-identify as LGBTQ. Wow. 20.1%. That's one in five. Mm -hmm. And certainly their peers are very accepting. You don't see four out of, four out of five rejecting their classmates mm -hmm. simply because they're LGBTQ and that's how they identify. Right. So it's just a matter of time because we still see the level of acceptance among um, the American public mm -hmm. and um, <clears throat> acceptance but embracing and uh, embracing us and welcoming us uh, is it still at 70 80 percent mm -hmm. so the people who are against us are are channeling that through um, legislative representatives who are willing to go out on a limb and say you know let's ban this let's ban right. that and they think they can get people to follow them along and they have and they have um because that's a it's, it's a mindset about control and power that's right um and they would like to control i, I mean I, I think it just really burns a lot of them up that we exist you can't legislate us out of existence exactly and um there you know there was a time when it was illegal to be queer it was illegal to do you know to to dress in different clothes and you know have books i mean that's how um, the, the first books that the Nazis burned were all the books on um, on um, transgender people back when um, that was happening in Berlin and they had the first clinic and like so many advances in made and those were the first books they burned and it's like now you come you move forward and it's just like now we're going back to book book banning and you know it's just like that's ridiculous and you know that's why I'm so happy that the Dallas Public Library we're we're going full force and then when we had our um, spirit of I mean pride and excellence awards um, a couple of weeks ago um, I don't know if this is true or not but until I'm proven otherwise um, we had a drag queen perform 
in City Hall, and I was told that's the first time a drag queen had ever performed inside of City Hall. So, um, you know, breaking barriers and <laughs> making change happen. So it was really cool, and you know, and I loved her joke at the beginning. She started off with, you know, she welcomed everybody, and she goes, "Now sit back, I'm gonna. It's time for Drag Queen Story Hour." You know, and then she's like, "Oh, not really." You know, it was it was a lot of fun. So, and then the the DFW Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence um, were a recipient of one of the. Um, awards. I think year. that's awesome. Yeah, they, they had are, a lot of drag queens in City Hall. This they were year. amazing. <laughs> that group is so amazing in its ability to fundraise, and and really, you know, and get our community fun, through the AIDS crisis. And yeah, they put they do fundraisers. Yeah, and make, fundraisers make, and make yeah. a lot of money. And you know, and and but they put it all back into the community, which is just they're an amazing organization. Yeah, this is um, it, this is going to be a challenge for us to overcome these laws, but I, I, I think we need to remember that it is not a majority That's right. that are against us in this way and wanting to codify our, um, you know, codify us into non-existence. Mm -hmm. um, that's not the majority of the people. So if you're, if you're gay and you're, and you're listening to the show and we talk about these awful, awful laws so much, Please just remember, especially during this month of Pride, that they are not the majority. Um, and there are plenty of people out here who love and respect you for who you are. And, and also um, trans people. Um, yes. If you're out there listening, um, know that in my office, I've, I have a trans flag in front of my office and always have since I walked into that space. And everybody's welcome in my office because it's the people's office and we don't discriminate, we don't, um, everybody's welcome, as long as you don't discriminate against others. Um, and, you know, we speak English and Spanish, and, you know, I'm starting to learn a little bit of Korean, because I um, represent, you know, Koreatown, and um, it's, it's really beautiful to see the diversity coming, and um, we have to take it in a step further. Diversity is great, but if you don't include folks, then the diversity is just... And inclusion, <clears throat> really, I think what we mean, we're the, we, We've had lots of discussions out in society about, you know, inclusion versus belonging. Yes. And I really think whether you're trans or gay or non-binary or you're, you're questioning who you are, there's a community here um, that loves you. Absolutely. And welcomes you and embraces you. So <clears throat> um, I think that's, that's really important. It's, it's always stunning to me um, how much hate... Um, is is not only out there but organized and that's a, like an organizing principle for many of these groups is we all hate the same people so let's be together and let's right. let's let's rally and just rally about our hate and that's just appalling to me and it does remind me of early 1930s germany mm -hmm. See, the, kind of, the kind of hate that's that i like was the last uh, drag queen story hour that they did at grawweiler there were two groups there to protest, mm -hmm. and they ended up protesting against each other. <laughs> <laughs> and the issue had to do with abortion. Wow. Nothing to do with Drag Queen Story Hour. <laughs> so it just kind of, their protests went off the rails real early, and I was just taking pictures of them and just laughing. That's so funny. They turn on it, because they have so much hate, they, they, you know, it's, it's oozing out against each other. Um, but still, we have. I mean, we, the the murderer who killed so many people at a Jewish synagogue was just convicted, 
and within days there there are Nazis out in front of a synagogue in mm -hmm. the Midwest. There were Nazis out in front of with, with swastika flags, um, out in front of Disney in in Florida to protest, and this seems to be okay with these people who support them. It makes it zero sense. It's like you know, I, I was just was raised in a time when if you if you saw a swastika or a Nazi flag or anything, it's like everybody joined together and said absolutely not, unacceptable, completely unacceptable, completely unacceptable, and now it's like. We can't even get some of our politicians to, you know, say that white supremacy is wrong or that Nazism is wrong or, you know, it's just, it's, I, I don't get it. Or I, they're calling it, the wrong group Nazis. Right, or they're calling the wrong group Nazis or, you know, calling, um, it's, they don't, it's like they don't know the actual definitions of fascism, communism, um, you know, Nazism and all these other different types of um, governments and it's like social movements, it's just like... <laughs> it's like when I, somebody on Twitter the other day called me a leftist, what was it, a leftist, socialist, fascist, communist. I'm like, I cannot be all those things you at cannot. once. You <laughs> cannot. Clearly, you do not understand the definitions of each one of these and what they mean because you're just hurling, hurling them. Right. And with, with no understanding whatsoever because you cannot be all of those things. Right, right. Yes, but... You are most of those things. <laughs> <laughs> I beg to differ. I'm, I'm, I'll I'm go team, with leftists. I'm Team Patty on this one. <laughs> <laughs> I'll give you leftist. Yeah, I'll do leftist. I'm there with you on that one. So. <laughs> um, you know, probably the most disturbing of all of the new legislation that was passed does have to do with the trans community because it's threatening to arrest parents it's awful or to take kids out of their homes um, I, I know you just started looking into these things what can the city do to help protect the, the, the one thing that we families? can do is say that DPD would not because that's what we have jurisdiction over so DPD the marshals um, which marshals don't deal with um, they deal with mainly environmental type issues, um, but just to say that we will not spend any city resources to help that. Now, we can't stop other, you know, Child state protective services. CPS, we have no jurisdiction over them, and um, I hope that, um, well, as, as we're seeing, the courts are already striking down um, other states that have these types of bans on trans um, youth health and trans health in general. And um, now, of course, we're gonna have to wait for it to go into appeals into um, different circuits and then eventually the Supreme Court, which, which is a bit scary, but you know, you never know. They may not wanna touch it. They might sit there and go, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a state issue and the lower courts have decided and done, you know. But who knows, this court is so, um, this Supreme Court, the US Supreme Court is, um, so bizarre it's some of the things and that rule on and it's gotten bizarre by the day yes um this whole thing with um with <clears throat> alito and his and his benefactors his patrons that mm -hmm. are giving him millions right i had to laugh and I, i'm sure i wasn't alone but i had to laugh with his pre-buttle as they call it Oh, the rebuttal um, of the... <laughs> in, the Wash, in, in the Wall Street Journal? Yes. So I don't know if you've been following this, listeners, but 
um, Justice Alito was being investigated by ProPublica, which is a nonprofit journalism organization, and they had uncovered lots of um, freebies that he's gotten over the years by millionaires, billionaires on the right. And there was a they they were publishing um, this this expose on his latest that they had found, which was that he took a big trip to Alaska on a private jet to go king salmon fishing and stay at this very exclusive resort where, you know, super expensive. And they said the, the flight itself just to, to, to have chartered it himself would have cost him $100,000. Wow. And, uh, <clears throat> and so he accepts this, this gift. And rather than respond to ProPublica directly, and they did ask him for comment before they published, he wrote an op-ed that which the Wall Street Journal then promptly published. And in it, his defense is that the seat would be empty anyway. And which I just thought was lunacy. I mean, this is what he's come to in it's, terms of defending so himself. So if somebody gives you an airline <clears throat> ticket, you don't have to declare that as income because if you didn't take that seat, it would have been empty. Yeah, that's his rationale, that's, which is about as, as, as lame and disordered and flimsy as his rationale for, you know, um, Get rid of, getting rid of Roe v. Wade. Right. Well, and that's why they they need um, some type of reform. Um, and it is, it's this is hard because it's corruption. It's a different branch of government, right? And so it's just like with us at City Hall, we have to report all gifts um, that are. Um, I think it's fifty dollars or more. Um, I report every gift, so it's like if somebody. But gives do you me, have to report like free airline tickets? I don't get free airline tickets, but um, <laughs> if, if you did, if I did, I would I would have to report it. Um, um, if it was either I'd have to report as a gift if it's of my official city capacity. But what or if, if that seat would have been empty? Uh, you know, well, we have rules, so and I adhere to every single one of those rules. And, and you're um, probably in Justice Elena Kagan's um, spot. I, I thought this was so interesting. I, she had gone to high school with a group of friends that she was still very tight with to this day and lots of childhood friends. And they there's a she grew up in New York City. And she went to, to some high school, I can't remember the, the name of it, but there's a place, a, a Jewish deli, Harvey's, or some place like that. I can't remember the name of it either. But her, her circle of friends were going to get her a basket of goodies mm -hmm. from this deli that's so famous. And, it's, and they wanted to congratulate her on a, a landmark birthday or something personal because they were friends. And... Um, she wrote them a note and said, "Thanks, but no thanks. Yep. It's too. It's over fifty dollars. I cannot accept anything like That's that." Right. And sort of preempted it because they asked her first before they put it together. Would you be able to take this? Because we want to do this for you. And she goes, "No, I can't." Right. And so there's Elena Kagan over here, not taking a hundred dollar basket. And yeah, then, <laughs> not taking a basket of probably cheese and chocolate that, that, that <laughs> nobody's going to eat because. <laughs> and here's somebody else over here. Taking you know, $100,000 Hundreds of thousand dollars in, in, in all kinds of yes. goodies. And Tom, Clarence Thomas. <clears throat> right. You know, I, I just think the contrast is amazing. It's we are out of time. I want to thank you for jumping in at the last minute. Thank you. And happy Pride, everybody. Happy, happy Pride. Pride Month. It's, it's been a fun Pride Month. It has. Yeah. And we'll be back next week with more Lambda Weekly. And I should have more information on the um, memorial service for Gene Soslow uh, next week. Uh, the station is going to run uh, some kind of a memorial the following Sunday.